You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. We're halfway through the sixth chapter of Shekalim, and we've done the, the 13 prostrations, the 13 chests, the 13 gates. But we're now going to come back, actually, to the chests, or we will in a minute. But before we do that, we're just going to touch on the obligations of people who make promises. So I would say in general, we are in the, we're in the realm of promises and commitments. In a minute, you know, before the end of this evening, we'll go into lost objects. Just as at the end of Pesachim, we got into questions about what happened when things got mixed up and things got confused. There's a sequence of Mishnayot at the end of Shekalim about things that get lost. So maybe there's a connection between obligations and losses, but we're going to start off anyway with obligations and then we'll get into the chests. So the Mishnah begins, Omer lo ifchot mishnei Gizrin, someone who says, I'm going to bring wood. This is someone who makes a commitment to bring wood. This is to bring wood to the temple. Someone who says, I'm going to bring wood. Someone who makes a commitment can't bring less than two logs, two bits of wood. So we're saying, if you if you make a commitment in general, this is the sort of quantity that's required to fulfill a commitment. If he commits to bring frankincense, he can't bring less than a handful. A handful would be taken by the priest and put onto the onto the offering. Zahav If he commits to bring gold, to fulfill that commitment, he can't bring less than a golden dinar. And then now we get back into the chests. Shisha li nadavar. Remember that of the chests, there were 13 chests. And the Mishnah told us that six of them were labeled. On six, on six chests were labeled free will offerings. And the Mishnah is going to ask, Nadavar mehayu simba. What was done with these free will offerings? And it answers its own question. They'd buy with them burnt offerings. The flesh for God, i.e. that the flesh would burn on the altar. And the hides for the priests. So the burnt offerings in some senses were split between God and man. The flesh burnt on the altar. The thing about an olah, by the way, is it's completely burnt. But the hides could be taken for the priests. And that's a puzzle because for many burnt offerings, it all has to be burnt. And the Mishnah is going to bring a Midrash. This is a Midrash which was drushed, which was expounded by Yehoiada the high priest. And he brings a verse from Vayikra. Asham hu Asham Asham Lashem. Let me show you. I brought the whole verse from Vayikra on the source sheet, actually, just below. Let's just ha- have a look at this. Ve'im nefesh. It's from the beginning of Vayikra. It's the Pasha, actually, of Vayikra. 
and it goes through the various sacrifices and it gets on to sin offerings. If a person sin, and does any things which are forbidden, if he doesn't know, he bears his iniquity and he brings this offering. And the Pusukim end, Asham Hu. It is a guilt offering. Asham Asham Lashem. He has Asham Asham is a is a participle. Um, it's a participle, a double participle form. It means it means emphasis. He has surely sinned against the Lord. So the word Asham is repeated three times. Asham Hu. Asham Asham Lashem. And the high priest is going to drush this pasuk. Asham hu asham asham lashem zehaklal. This is the principle. Kol shehu ba mishum chet u'mishum ashma ilakach bo olot habasar lashem ve'orot lakonim. So the midrash goes. It's a guilt offering. Any guilt offering. This is the general rule. Anything which is brought because of a sin or because of guilt, they should purchase with it guilt. They should purchase with it burnt offerings. The flesh goes to God and the hides for the priests. And then the Mishnah goes on to say, And that means two verses are both fulfilled. Asham Lashem. That's the verse that we've got. The Asham goes to God. It doesn't go to the priests. But we have actually a verse from two kings, which suggests that the money which was deposited for priest, for, for guilt offerings did go to the priests. So we do have a suggestion in two kings, in Malachim Bet, that the money did go to the Kohanim. So the second verse, Ve'omer Kesef Asham Ve'chesef Chatot, Money brought as a guilt offering or a sin offering was not deposited in the house of the Lord. And maybe this is a connection with the chests. It didn't go into the chests. It went to the priests. It's as if the priests got some... It's as if this money was paid over to the priests, at least according to Menachem Bet. And of course, if we have a critical view on this, we could say, look, maybe the practice in the time of Menachem Bet was different from the practice in the time of Moshe or in the time of uh, Yehoiada, the the heart of the, the Kohen. Maybe there was different practice. But Yehoiada, the, the Kohen Gadol, seems to want to integrate these two Pesukim. So he wants to say, look, the Asham is for God. So part of it is for God. But part of it is for the priests. So we're happy with both Pesukim. We split it the flesh one way and the hides the other way. Or if you want to learn it the other, a different way, you could say, look, that the um, most of the money was spent on burnt offerings, but the leftovers were spent on, on, um, on offerings that could be uh, partially given to the priests. And that's how chapter 6 closes. And then chapter 7 of the Mishnah Shkalim then begins with this list of things which are, are lost, but things which were found. So when something is found in Jerusalem, well, what do you do with it? 
ma'ot shenimtzu bein hashkalim li So we've got our list of chests, right? And what if we find some coins on the ground between the shekel chest and the free will offering chests? Remember, the shekel chests were the first ones mentioned, and the free will offerings ones were the last mentioned. Actually, one of the suggestions in the Bar is that they were arranged in a circle. Otherwise, how could a coin be between the first and the last? Unless, of course, if they're arranged in a circle, in which case the first and the last will be next to one another. Of course, our Mishnah, when it enumerated the 13 chests, didn't say anything about how they were organized. So there's no reason to question this Mishnah particularly. So coins are found. They're lying on the ground. They're between the shekels chest and the free will offerings chest. So what are we going to do with them? In principle, we're going to, we're probably going to throw them into one of the chests. But which one do we choose? So the Mishnah explains. If we find it nearer to the shekels chest, they go to the shekels. If we find them nearest to the free will offerings, they go into the free will offerings chest. Fine. That seems pretty rational. What if they're halfway between? What if we don't know? If they're halfway between, they go into free will offerings. Because free will offerings, we're going we're gonna to buy a lot with those offerings. They seem to be, well, they seem to take precedence. And we'll see this pattern goes on. Between the, the wood chest and the frankincense chest. Karov leitzim, yiplu leitzim. If it's near to the wood chest, goes to wood. La levona, yiplu levona. If it's near to the frankincense chest, they go to frankincense. Merza la merza, yiplu la levona. It goes to the frankincense rather than to the wood. And we can see this intuitively. The frankincense is actually offered on the altar. The wood is only, it's only for burning something else which is offered on the altar. So again, we, we start to see the theme here. Between nests and young pigeons, nests are nests of turtle doves that uh, someone with an omission needs to, uh, needs to bring. They add, that is to say they bring the turtle doves, not the nest. Between nests and young pigeons for bird offerings, Karov lakinim, yiplu lakinim. Near to nests, they go to nests. Legosle ola, yiplu legosle ola. Near to young pigeons for burnt offerings, they go to young pigeons for burnt offerings. Mechza la mechza. What if they fall right in between? Yiplu legosle ola. They go to the burnt offerings. Similarly, bain chulin lemaser sheni. Between non-consecrated money. And Maser Sheni. Now here, that's it. this is really interesting. We're not in the temple anymore. Because these, they, what, there wasn't a chest for ordinary non-consecrated money. And there wasn't a chest for Maser Sheni. So we've segued. We've morphed. We're outside Jerusalem now. And we're in a household where there are two chests. Maybe there are two collecting boxes. Maybe there are two tzedakah boxes, right, sitting in this house. And they're next to one another. And one is just ordinary tzedakah. It's 
Chulin, it's non-consecrated. And the other is Maser Sheni. It's dedicated to the second tithe. And we need to eat it in holiness in Jerusalem. Maser Sheni has to be eaten in Jerusalem. So we've got these two tzedakah boxes. We've got the, this, these two chests. They're in our house. And someone finds a coin on the ground between the two chests. Well, what are we going to do with it? If it's near to non-consecrated, to Chulin, they go to non-consecrated. If it's near to Maser Sheni, they go to Maser Sheni. We're going to follow the same principle. If in doubt, we're going to give it towards the more holy. So, if it's in the middle, if it's in the middle, we're going to put it in the Maser Sheni box rather than in the the non-consecrated box. And the Mishnah finishes Zehaklal. This is the principle. In general, the principle is that we go to the nearest box, the nearest chest. And this now applies, remember, whether we're in Jerusalem in the temple or whether we're outside. We go to the nearest box. And the text, by the way, I've given you here is from the Kaufman. The printed text is slightly different. But this is what Kaufman tells us. We go to the nearest one. If it's in the middle, we are stringent, i.e. we put it to the purpose, if you like, which is most restrictive. We put it to the holiest, to the most, we, we allocate it to the most restrictive purpose. Now, if that's the case for money found on the ground, and remember, we're now going to deal with a whole sequence of, of, of issues to do with lost and found. We are really in, if you like, the lost and found department of the temple now. What if we find some money in front of an animal dealer? Now we're in, now we are back in Jerusalem. It's always going to be second tithe money. Why is that? Well, if we're in Jerusalem and we're in an, front of an animal dealer. The, I think the Mishnah is assuming that anyone who spends money with an animal dealer in Jerusalem essentially is spending second tithe money. So they, they the distance is too far for them to bring an animal to Jerusalem. So they've brought their second tithe in money and then when they get to Jerusalem they're going to buy something with it. And they're, they're going to do this even outside the regular foot festivals. If they've got too much second tithe money, they'll leave it with their friends or with their relatives to spend in Jerusalem because that money can't be taken out of Jerusalem. So the Mishnah assumes that people are buying animals all, the, all through the year with second tithe money. And if we find money in front of an animal dealer, that's second tithe. But... The Mishnah continues. If we find that money on Temple Mount, it's actually chul. It's, it's, it's non-sacred and it's counterintuitive. And the, um, the Rambam, I think, comments that no priest is going to be dealing in um, sacred money. If he takes money, for example, out of the treasury, he'll exchange it for animals. So we don't, ex you know, out Obviously, there's sacred money inside the treasury, but if it's outside, we expect it to be non-sacred. And then the Mishnah continues, because the rule won't always be consistent. What about 
in Jerusalem, so in the city, not in the temple, at the time of a festival. If we find the money in Jerusalem during a festival, we assume it's second tithe money. And in the rest of the days of the year, we assume it's non-consecrated, i.e. we go after the most normal, the most regular occurrence. Because in general, if we find money in Jerusalem, not during a festival, and this is assuming it's not in front of an animal deal, by the way, we assume it's non-consecrated and we give it that status. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.